Amen. God is good. I'm so aware, not just because of this morning, but I'm so aware of the times that we're living in, of the urgency of the, of the hour of our lives and how wonderfully blessed we are uh, to be living in this time. You know, in this past week, to have the ruling of the Enchirkak uh, with um, marriage, um, uh, husband and wife, and uh, the ruling that was ruled against them, um, for um, that they cannot not marry uh, somebody if they, it comes that's of the same uh, sex or, or, or male or female, whatever. Um, I'm just aware of the days that we're living in. Amen? I'm aware that the kingdom of God is what's important. The world will pass away. The kingdom of God is what is eternal, and the world is what is seen, which so it's temporary. Amen? Those things are going to pass away. Um, I just also hearing a, 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 just of one of the schools in our area that's introducing gender equality. Um, where they, have, they no longer have boys' and girls' uniforms. They have set A and set B uniforms where you, you can decide. These are the realities of the world that we're living in, friends, and God gave us a voice. We're not an echo. We're not trying to take on something of this earth or the culture of this earth. We're trying to be a voice, and we're trying to be the voice of the kingdom of God. And the times that we're living in now is to rise up and be that voice. Amen, not back off. Um, so we're not ones that back off. We're not, we're not intimidated. We're the ones who are front-footed. We're going to step into what God's called us to do. And so I want to encourage, even as Connor was sharing, just uh, how God is establishing and setting up 24-7 for such a time as this. Home base will establish and grow and develop. We have been, we're in our 15th year, and uh, God is now doing amazing things on the property so that we can establish home base. So as a church, we can strengthen, so that we can equip, so that we can be the oasis. We can be the place where people can come and drink, come and receive, come and experience the love of God, all that God has for us. Amen. Because we're not just a building, and we're not just about events. Amen. Subtly, over time, the enemy has made the world and the people of God about events. That's why Sunday has become an event. We're not worried about what happens in the other six days. We just come on a Sunday because we come to get whatever we need on the Sunday versus actually being for seven days of the week, being who God's called us to be. You see it in school even these days where we just quickly drift into, we've got this event at school, so we do that, yeah, 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 and then we move on. What happened to the months of preparation? When I was passionate about athletics, I didn't just wait for the athletics day and go, woo this is so awesome. Let's put on our athletics kit and let's go and run. I spent months preparing for that day. Because the kingdom of God isn't a flash, friends. We don't go to this event and this place and this person and this anointing so we can just get what we want. We don't just come on a Sunday so we can find out how we can cope or how we can deal with this and we move on. Connor was sharing last week and said how often God speaks to us, gives us a word. We take that word, we get the answer, we get what we need and we quickly move on. Tomorrow's another day now. What else can I have? What can I, instead of actually just allowing the Holy Spirit to build, to establish, to strengthen, to equip us. Amen. Majority 
of our lives is about building and strengthening us for, for the moment. Maybe you were called for one single moment when you were in business, when a man walks into your office and God says, I prepared you for such a time as this where you can share the gospel and he gets saved and maybe he changes the world. Maybe he meets the president of the United States and gets him saved. I don't mind being prepared by the Lord for whatever he's got for us, amen? So we've been... Uh, chatting and encouraging one another and on a journey just talking about Holy Spirit, talking about being led by Holy Spirit, talking about um, a life uh, that is Holy Spirit within us, the inner witness, how we directed, how we led. And I, just as I was praying throughout this week, I just I felt like the Lord say, just we need to bring in another little component um, which will just help us. And uh, I cannot emphasize enough the Word of God. And how important the Word of God in the days that we're living in. And I do believe that it is critical for every single one of us to spend more and more time in the Word and more and more time in prayer, praying the Word, praying over our lives. But in order for us to be led by the Holy Spirit, we need the Word. In order for us to be led by the Holy Spirit and for God to do His full work in our lives, we need to be obedient. There's just this word obedience, I just want to touch on this morning a little bit. Um, in the faith move, um, as, as you know, the reality of faith and what God has done for us and what he, all He's done in Christ became such a reality and just kind of swung us away from legalism and all of that. It just obedience became kind of uh, ach, just a blasé word. It was kind of, you, you know, Jesus has done it all. Um, but it is so important in the days that we're living in that we understand obedience and we understand how important and how critical obedience is in our lives and how all of those things that we're talking about is tied in and tied around obedience. It's very quiet. Should I start with a... A dangerous scripture. Let me, let's just go to Philippians chapter 2. I'm just going to read you a couple of scriptures and then hopefully pull it all together in a short amount of time. They're busy repairing the uh, headset, so I'm having to hold the mic, and that is really irritating because I like to talk with my hands. <laughs> I think I'm Italian somewhere. No, I don't know. It's like just... Listen to this. It just says, therefore, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, beautiful, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. What's the topic? What's the, what's the focus here? As you have always obeyed. So focus is obedience. He's talking to his beloved. He's talking to us, his church. And he's saying, as you've always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, so they were wonderfully active, vibrant church people when the pastor was there. But now when the pastor's not there. So just as you were so wonderfully obedient and obeying, on a Sunday, so now when I'm not there during the week, even more so, 
Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. With the focus on obedience, just understand these two things. Obedience works salvation out. As now you have been obedient, say even more in my absence, work out your salvation. Obedience works out your salvation. With fear and trembling, I love that. It's not fear. Ooh, scared. It's a reverence. It's a, it's, a, it's a respect. It's an awe. And listen to this. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's God who's working in you. Remember here, just very quick things, side issues so no one gets confused. Work out your salvation. Don't work for your salvation. We know that. Under grace, we're saved by grace through faith, Right? So you're not working for anything, but you're working out your salvation. Obedience allows God to work in you. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The focus is obedience. Obedience works salvation out, and obedience allows God to work in you. Now we start to tie the dots to why obedience is such an amazing and very powerful and very important aspect of the gospel. Obedience allows God to work in you. Because it is Him who's working in us, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Now when we've got Christians who just come on a Sunday, see what they can get throughout the week, they don't have to worry, they don't have to be obedient, they don't have to do anything, Jesus has done it all, it's all good, I'm just chilling, it's all fine. Whenever God calls them to do anything, they know, no thank you, they don't mind, they're just disobedient. How is God supposed to work in us if we just are disobedient? See, when we got saved, we, were, we didn't kiss our brains goodbye. When we got saved, our brains, brains were sanctified, amen? See, now we understand and we know that in the natural, but in the spiritual realm, we just think God just does whatever He wants to do, and it doesn't matter what I do. It does matter what you and I do, because we enable Him to work in our hearts and in our lives by our obedience. And it's not a works program, but it is a maturity program. Very good. Thank you for the front, just helping me there with my preach. It's very good. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just want to quickly uh, jump to 2 Timothy. Let's jump quickly to 2 Timothy, chapter 3. I want to read from verse 16. Just help us quickly here. I'll pull this all together. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 
man or woman of God, may be complete, equipped for some good work, for every good work. So the word of God, breathed by God, is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We've been trained for righteousness. Amen? What is righteousness? Righteousness is the character and the nature of who God is. We've been trained to be obedient. We've been trained for every single good work. Amen? The Word of God trains us. So that's why it's so important that we know the Word of God. It's training us. So now when we jump to scriptures like Romans chapter 12, and it talks about um, we beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable worship. And then do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And our mind is transformed by the word. Our mind is transformed. Our lives are transformed by the word, changing who we are, our thinking, what we're all about. So that, friends, when we begin to look into his will, we can know what's good and acceptable and perfect, right? So I want to encourage every single one of you here this morning, and I'm talking really practical, teaching a little bit this morning. I want to talk practically and say, do you know that probably suck thumb 5% of your life is premeditated? You cannot, as Christians, wake up in the morning and go, Hold on a minute. Let me quickly go to the Word of God. Should I have coffee? Let me see. Oh, yes, I found it. He, Hebrews. <laughs> Hebrews. And then I wonder what shirt I should wear. I wonder how I should get dressed. And, and we can't all the time, uh, decisions that we make throughout the day. The majority of our lives, we, we've, we're done on the run, right? We do it on the run. We make decisions all the time. We speak all the time about things and and how many know that the word of God itself doesn't specifically say if you go to Moses 7 verse 3 it'll tell you how to buy a car or what house to buy or where to invest or or whether to go to so-and-so for dinner or not go all those things friends they come because of a life that's been transformed and changed, they come because of a renewed mind. All of that is our transformed lives making the right decision in God. They build a foundation for our lives. Amen. Which is why we study the Word, which is why it's a journey, which is why we do life together and not just an event, friends. I'm not coming today because I, I need that this from the Lord and just need the scripture. So give me the scripture. Help me. Okay, let's pray it. Somebody lay hands on me. Okay, I've got it. Thank you. Now I can carry on. No, my life is one of preparation constantly. And in preparation, I'm yielded to the word. And in preparation, the word is training me for righteousness or obedience. Amen. So that as I'm in obedience, God can work. God can do all that he's, he wants to do in my life. My salvation is worked out. Amen. 
It's now displayed. People can see it. It's now developed. Amen. So I was going to, I wonder if I should quickly go to Matthew, Matthew 12, and then I, I just want to go to, I don't think I'm going to finish it. I was going to teach you on a whole book, but I won't teach you on a, I'll just do. Just quickly, Matthew chapter 12, verses 34. Let's just read from the four, okay. You, you, you can just ignore you brood of vipers. That's got to do with something else, okay. Just, <laughs> I can see it. I'm not going to say anything that's going to get you to laugh this morning, okay. Okay. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What are you putting in your heart? Every single day, I'm, I'm going before the Lord. I'm reading the Word. I'm, I'm filling my, my life so that from the, that abundance, is, my mouth is speaking. Because listen to the rest of the, of the, it says, the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. By your words, you'll be condemned. What's he saying there? In simplicity, friends, if we as, the, as saved saints of God, if we do not dedicate and commit our lives to studying the word of God, to filling our lives with the word of God, to causing our hearts to be filled with him, friends, then out of the abundance of their heart, your mouth's gonna speak. And friends, if you have not paid attention to the word of God, you're going to, it's going to cause you to speak careless words. See, when you've paid attention to the word, when you filled your life with the word of God, then your words are not careless. See, from, from this good treasure comes forth. So this treasure, friends, is about bringing forth good fruit. Let's just quickly go to 1 John. Now I can teach on 1 John, which is what I wanted to teach on. But that, that, that's going to happen. So let me just share with you. I want to get to a scripture very quickly, but I want to say this. In 1 John, basically the whole book, one, what, what's happening here is that a group of believers, no, a group of people have left the church. And what's happened is it's shaking the church a little bit, and uh, and then either some people from that group or others that, are, that, also, that have left the church have been falsely declaring a whole bunch of stuff. They're false prophets. And so what's happened now is it's begun to shake the church because the church is going, these people, you, John, you've been teaching us some stuff. John 3, 16, God so loved the world, gives anybody the son, whoever believes in them shall not perish but have eternal life. But these guys have left now. I thought salvation was secure. John chapter 10, 27, 28, 29, around there, it says, the sheep will know my voice, and those that hear my voice, I will give them eternal life, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. So the assurance of salvation is slightly wobbled here because these people have left. And then there's a, they're saying a whole bunch of stuff, and they're going, okay, we, 
we're not sure. So he, I love it. He's not coming in here to correct. What he's coming in here is to encourage and to strengthen, and he's declaring some powerful stuff of encouragement to the church. He's wanting them to increase in three things, faith, obedience, and passion for God. And that's what I want to encourage us today. We need to, at these times, increase in three areas, faith, passion, and obedience. So when you read this book and you go through it, just, and we don't have time, but just understand some of this that, that's being said here. If you go to um, um, John chapter 1, verse 2, you can go to verse, uh, go to verse 19. It says, they went from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. There was a group of people that had left now, and he was trying to explain to them first and foremost. He was saying, I want to encourage you, salvation, if you are saved, then it's assured. Nobody can snatch you out of God's hand. This group of people, they went from us. But because they went from us, they were not of us. So in other words, we can have people sitting here, even this morning, you can have people sitting in churches all around the world, friends, who can leave a church and suddenly go off. That doesn't mean that they were, from, they were of God. Doesn't mean they were saved. You can sit in the garage all your life. It doesn't make you a car. So friends, when you get these situations where somebody who's born again, who's attending church, whatever, suddenly wobbles, doesn't like God anymore, and suddenly drifts back into the world or whatever, um, friends, don't let it wobble you on the assurance of your salvation. Because he could have easily said, yeah, they were of us, but they're no longer of us. But he doesn't do that. He actually says, they went out from us. They were not of us. If they were of us, they would have, now I'm talking about salvation. I'm talking about people leaving churches. Okay, I'm talking about salvation. We're talking about, you see, they didn't really have much of that problem. Back in those days, people didn't just leave churches and just drift everywhere, wherever they wanted to. When they, when they became a family, they became a family, right? And uh, you don't just leave family, but that's another topic. The reality is what I'm saying is, here, is that God, he was assuring them about that by the perseverance, by them continuing, by its very nature made them part of us. If they just left us and drifted back, then they were never part of us, Right? Okay, and then if you read in 1 John, um, you'll see here that it's, uh, it says it all over the place. You'll pick it up just if you go to chapter 1 and you're reading there from, say, verse 6. If we say, you'll notice that word a lot. If we say, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Verse uh, Chapter 2, verse 4, whoever says, I know him. Um, verse 8, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Uh, verse n- 9, I think that was verse 6, not verse 8, verse 6. Verse 9, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. So there was a whole bunch of people saying a whole bunch of stuff. What they were saying, if you read all those scriptures, we don't have time to unpack it all this morning. What they were saying basically is that 
you can do whatever you want. See, there was a prevailing teaching that was going around that was saying, listen, whether you, you don't have to, once you're saved with God, then Jesus has saved you, everything's fine. You can, you can be disobedient, you can uh, do whatever you want, all of that, it doesn't matter. You don't have to love your brother, you can hate him, and all of that um, is all good, you're still fine. It doesn't affect you. So he's bringing up the teachings that these guys are saying, and now he's, he's trying to counter it. Right? You with me? So let me go to 1 John chapter 2 quickly from verse... Let's just read from verse 4 or verse 3. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Now, when we take that, in a, it, it, what he's trying to explain here is categorically, very powerfully, if we know him, the fruit of that is obedience. Right? And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments, obedience. Talking about commandments as in the Ten Commandments, we're talking about obedience to what God says. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments or be obedient is a liar. There's something very powerful here that he's talking about knowing God and obedience are synonymous. They go together. There's something about pressing in and knowing God that's synonymous with I just want to see if I can find you another scripture. Here's here's a good scripture. 1 John chapter 3 verse 7 just quickly go there. 1 John 3 verse 7 says little children let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. What's the opposite of that? <laughs> Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. So the law would be whoever does what he wants is righteous. says, don't be deceived. The one who practices righteousness is righteous. The one who is obedient is, knows me. Right? This knowing and obedience. I'm just trying to help us this morning how we've got to know God. Now, 
when you look at this, and you're going back to uh, 1 John chapter 2, when you look at this at first glance, you kind of go, it's a very, very powerful statement, and he's so confident that he can actually be bold enough to say, if you say to me you know God, and you uh, are not, and you don't walk in obedience, you're a liar. That's very powerful. So he's not talking, he's saying something about knowing God here that we've got to catch. Because Judas knew God. Unbelievers know God. What is this knowing? This knowing God that guarantees obedience. One of the things that he gives us a hint with here, it says, whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. See, this isn't an external academic knowing. This is an internal knowing. This is an experiential knowing. Do you know, I have played Medal of Honor and I have read all, I love war movies. I have watched war movies, all of them. I, have, I love war movies. But if a guy came back from Afghanistan now, whatever, and that he would be able to say to me, a soldier, he'd be able to say to me, you know nothing about war, my friend. I can tell, I've read all the books. I know everything about war. What do you mean I don't know? What he's meaning is, you don't know the experience of war. You don't really know war until you've, right? So what he's talking about here is the knowledge, the knowing God experientially inside of us. This automatically brings forth obedience in our lives. The fruit of it is obedience. We automatically, no matter what, you know, uh, Hebrews chapter 5, uh, verse 8, it says, Jesus himself, he learned obedience. And then it adds a strange one, through suffering. You see, we learn obedience, and, but we can also be disobedient. And when we're disobedient, we get clapped, and stuff happens, and we suffer. And then when we suffer, it helps us kind of nudge back to, oops, I, I want to do the right thing. But Jesus never sinned once. So he wasn't suffering because of disobedience. But he learned obedience. He learned obedience, friends. That doesn't mean he was disobedient. It means he learned it. How do you learn it, friends? It's, it's not just knowledge. You learn it becomes experience. It becomes outworked in your life. There's no good Christ just being able to quote the Bible off by heart. He had to live it. He had to experience it. He had to walk it. It became a reality in his life. He learned it, friends, and he learned it through suffering. That suffering of disobedience, sometimes, friends, when you do the right thing and you're obedient, you take strain. I was chatting to a person on the phone during the week, whatever, and they were asking a question saying, I just want to know, should I be doing this, whatever, in a business situation? And um, I knew in my heart that it, it costs for them to stand up for what they believe and to, and to make the stand. But that we learn obedience sometimes through suffering. <laughs> but this obedience, friends, is related. It's connected to knowing God, experientially experiencing Him. Do you know that I used to teach at Bible college about the protection of God? Just go and preach powerfully. Then our God it took me to Zimbabwe. 
And I went to go stay there, and they have these lovely stone walls that are about this high. And then all the guys who fix motors and all of that left the country, and then the gate broke, and now the gate just slides, and, and there's just bush and a five-acre plot. We live there, and all we've got is a little bit of ground around the house. And I have to go minister out um, to p- people out on farms and what have you and come back late at night with my whole family, and I have to park the car, and I have to put the lights on to shine to the front door, then I have to go open the door, and I have to come back to the car and carry each child in to put them into bed, and then drive the car around the back in the dark to park it in the garage and then come back to the front door. I don't care how many Bible college lessons you can be taught. You have to take that knowledge and make it inside you and make it real. You have to stand there and believe God. This is not just words. This is reality. Now it becomes I know him. I know him as my protector. Which leads me to obedience because I've got to know him. Amen? Oh, there's so much in here. I wish I could just... Oh, shortcuts. Let me just... In, in 1 John chapter 4, let's just read. Uh, verse 16, let's just read that. It says, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Isn't it interesting there he puts together, we have come to know and believe. We've come to know and trust. See, when we come to know him, we come to know him as Love. God is love. So the reality is, if I know him as love, friends, I will be obedient. So what's the result of that, if, of why I'm disobedient? The reason why I'm disobedient is I don't really believe he's love. And if I don't really believe he's love, then I don't really know him. So, When I know him, I believe him or I trust in him because he's love. Because I know he's got his my best interests at heart. I know he's for me. I know he loves me. So whatever wherever he's leading me, whatever he's saying to me is love. And I'll put my hands in the hands of love. I'll put my life in the hands of love because I know him. And then it says, in the chapter 2, verse 6, it says, For whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. See, the love of God is perfected in our lives. What does that mean? It means that the love of God is now outworked out of our lives. It's now an experience. The love of God is perfected when it's not just here and it's not just here, but it's flowing out there. Amen? That's the love of God perfected. Even Jesus, the Bible says, when it talks about perfected, what does it mean? He was, he was always perfect. What it means is that Jesus on his journey still had the love of God to be outworked 
and it was perfected in his experiencing, living it. Oh, there's so much. I wish I, I just didn't have the time this, this morning, but I want to just encourage us. I want to, I want to, I want to challenge us. I want to say, this is so exciting. You know, when they talk about you will know them by their fruit. You know, what does that mean? It means that when you get born again and you surrender your life to Him, the journey is one where you begin to see a life that looks like something. It looks like love. It looks like love, and love is being perfected because love is being outworked. It's not just in words. It's also in deed. It looks like a life that's surrendered to Christ, that's in love, that knows Him, that loves Him, and as it knows Him and loves Him, it obeys Him because whatever He says, it's obedient because it knows that it comes from love. And I know that if I just stay in love, I know that He'll take care of me. Amen. So long story short and pulling it all together is simply this, is friends, God wants us. In fact, it's a natural overflow of being born again is to be obedient. Obedience, friends, is natural as it is natural for an apple tree to pop out apples. It is just as natural for an orange tree to pop out oranges. It is just as natural for a Christian to pop out obedience. Amen. And obedience not to gain favor or not to earn or not to get something from God. It's obedience because that's what my tree does. And from good treasure comes out good. From a good tree comes out good fruit. It's who I am. I have been perfected in God. And out of my treasure, out of that wealth, friends, comes the richness of life. Amen. So that's why we do this. That's why we want people to join home groups and do life together and outwork this thing. Because we're not into the event, we're into the journey, the journey of obedience, friends. And I'm ending this morning, but I can't, but I'll just throw out an absolute nugget for all parents here. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1. Children, obey your parents. Do you know what the reality is with that word? There is an expectation in that, that children, that parents can require obedience from their children. If, you, if the God is saying, children, obey your parents, he would never say that if he, if he didn't expect that the parents should require obedience from the children, right? So there's an expectation there that the parents should instill and require obedience from their children. And why is that? Because otherwise, when they grow up, they will be out of step with the word. All that I've told you now, what is a parent to a child? He represents God. Until they become of age and they can make Father God, they represent God. Friends, if, as we as parents, if we have forfeited our absolute God-given gift 
of requiring our kids to be obedient, friends, when they get older, friends, they will be out of step with the word because their father in heaven requires obedience from them now. And we have a whole generation of kids that have grown up without any regard for obedience to their parents. I marvel as I sit in restaurants and watch kids just doing whatever they want and parents just, you know what they say, if you do that again, I'm going to give you a hiding. If you do that again, I'm going to get really angry. If you do that again, I'm going to throw this water bottle at you. If you do that again, oh, I'll tell you what, stop doing that and I'll give you a packet of biltong. So we can't get them to be obedient, then we bribe them. And we think, well, that's good parenting, and I don't want, to, I don't want my child to not like me, and I want him to be kind, and I want to be his friend, and I want to be his chummy. And God's looking, saying, that child is on a bad back foot when it comes to the Word of God, as he gets to understand the Word of God. Because God is not our chummy, and he's going to require obedience And if we've instilled that in our children, as they get older, they will understand the Father God so much easier. Instead, now we have created liberal kids who think they can actually decide who God is for themselves. And whether I decide to be obedient or not, that's my choice. Well, my Bible tells me, actually, if you get born again, obedience isn't actually, it should be a fruit. It's automatically tied into knowing Him. If you're not obedient here today, I just want to encourage you, you don't know him. And I'm talking about practicing righteousness, so I'm not talking about you can mess up. You can all make mistakes, right? We all know that. There's grace for us. I'm not saying we're perfect. We're not talking about a perfection. Amen? We're talking about practicing Righteousness, we're talking about obedience, we're talking about honoring God. And we're saying, if I mess up, friends, I go back and I've got to fill my life even more with the Word of God so that I can. Amen. Shall we stand? I think that's about as much as our bum and our heads and our hearts and our lives can take. Thank God I'm apostolic. <laughs> I get to go out <laughs> and give the congregation a breather. Thank you, Jesus. Now, there's so much more in your I would encourage you to go study 1 John. I think it's the most beautiful book. Gospel of John and the book and the one John are for me my favorites. But I just want to pray over every single one of us this morning. I believe God's positioning us incredibly for such a time as this. I believe that there is an onslaught on the people of God right now. I think that's unprecedented. And if you don't understand that, then I would just ask you to take that before the Lord, but people are feeling so pressurized, they're feeling like they're having to make decisions and uh, pushed into corners and, 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 and having to, to do things and, and stuff's happening and there's a lot going on and the enemy is trying to raise his voice and it's, 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 it's only a small voice, but he's, got a, he's trying to create a megaphone 
and intimidate the people of God and, and say, oh, this is happening and that's happening. And when in actual fact, we are a huge tree that's growing and growing all the time. And one day this whole world will shatter. What will be left behind is the tree. And the tree is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. It's advancing. The kingdom of God is advancing all the time, church. And we're part of that incredible end time army. And so I'm wanting us to be a people that will be an oasis for those to come in. For those maybe that have tried out all the gimmicks of church and religion, who've tried to put veneer and plasters over major cracks and issues in their life, and God is wanting to come and restore and heal and set them free. And we as the people of God have got to be the ones that are stable and secure. We've got to be the ones that are steadfast and strong. We're the ones that are not shaken. We're mature. We are the ones that are led by the Spirit of God. We are sons and daughters. We are the ones that are filled with the Word of God. We are the ones that are obedient to His Word. We are the ones who are being perfected in love. We are becoming and we are love to this world. I can promise you that what every single person is crying out and looking for, and that some that are sitting in churches, some that are sitting in religious churches, some that are sitting in charismatic entertainment churches, they're crying out for love. And God wants us to be that oasis for many that He wants to bring in, for the broken, the hurting, for those that have never known Christ, for those that have been burnt by Christians or the church. He wants us to become the pool of Siloam. So, Father, I just pray over us as a congregation today. I've said a lot. I've jumped around a little bit, thrown out a lot of Scripture. But I pray for every single one of us here today, Lord God, that we have got this great opportunity that's been given to us to truly be a family, to truly arise as sons and daughters, and to walk in such a way that's worthy of the gospel in such a way that we can be love to those around us, in such a way that we can be obedient, obedient to you, Lord Jesus, in such a way that we can know you deeper and more, in such a way that we can shine you know when I was studying this just to give you a picture or illustration. I felt the Lord say to me, go get a picture of the sun. So I went to a book and I found a picture of the sun. He says, do you see how that shines so brightly? I said, no, it doesn't shine at all. See, the world's not looking for a picture. The world's looking for a light. The world's looking for someone to shine. 
So my heart's cry, church, is arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Will you help us, Lord God, to be a people that don't just know you academically, cerebrally, but we know you inwardly, and we know you in experience, experientially. So that, Lord, you can shine so that others can come to the warmth of your glowing, so they can come, so their lives can be touched, changed, transformed. Lord, I pray that every word that I've spoken would not be seed that falls on rocky ground or on ground where the birds can eat it, but that this morning I pray that it takes root in our hearts and motivates us to begin to, to study your word. It's so powerful. And not only to study your word, but also to pray and to trust you. And every single day as we go through our normal routine, we would just move naturally in obedience. And the decisions we make would just naturally be the decisions of God. That we would just naturally reflect the nature and the character of God. Because most of what we do, Lord, just naturally happens. I pray that we just naturally be all that you called us to be. Children of God, sons and daughters, in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for every person here that as they go out in this week, Lord God, that it would be such a different week, a transformed week, that they would see the answers to their prayers and, the, and their lives changing others, Lord. That their places of businesses and work and school and every single environment, Lord God, that they would just see how powerful and how wonderful it is when we can declare your goodness and who you are and watch lives change. I ask this in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. And all the people said, amen, amen, amen. If any of you are needing prayer, please come up to the front if you're needing healing.